This morning I'm going to speak on our mission statement. We haven't spoken on this in a while, and I think it's important that every once in a while we come back and we visit who we are. What is our mission statement, and where are we going? For some of you, maybe you've never heard it before, because some of you are new, here, are new since we've, we've established this back in, I think, 2010 is when we established it, and Jeannie Putman drew a beautiful painting up in her foyer that displays it. Our mission statement is that we are to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. To be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. And so this morning, we're going to go through that again, and we're going to remind ourselves what that means. You know, it's always important to know where you're going so that when you, know, so when you get there, you know where you're at. If you don't know where you're going, then you have no plan for where you're going. If you don't have a destination in mind, how do you know when you get there? So it's important that we have that. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about this. And, and um, it's really pretty simple here that it really means that if we're going to have a, an eternally effective, an, e- an eternally effective life, then we must live a earthly relevant life first. And um, in other words, it's, if it's my goal to make heaven my home for all eternity, then I must do the things now on earth while I have the time and the opportunity to make sure that heaven is my final destination. I, I, there's some things I must do in order to be sure that heaven is truly where I'm going to spend my eternity. Now, we're beginning this evangelism study on Wednesday nights, and truly, it's important for us to, if we're going to be effective in our evangelism, we must be sold out into our plan for where we're going. We can't evangelize someone if we're not fully engaged in what our life is already and when it comes to what we're evangelizing for. I can't give away what I don't have. So if I'm going to evangelize those people that need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, it must be firm and set firm in my soul first. I must have an understanding clearly of my direction. doesn't mean I know all the answers because I don't. And neither do you, and that's okay. You don't need to know everything before you can share your faith. But you need to know where you're going. That's the most important thing you need to know is where you're going and how does it, what does it take to get there? And all of the other questions and, and objections that will come up really are pretty minor in, in, rel- in relationship to the goal, to the end goal where you're going. And, you know, this world is is rapidly spinning out of control as well, isn't it? I mean, it is so much going on around the world right now. It's even more of a reason why we need to get our our foundational uh, setting one more time. We need to kind of come back to what are we doing here on earth so that we don't get so wrapped up in the things that are happening that are so wildly out of control that we lose our, 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 our basis. So today I think it's important that we would review our mission statement and ultimately hopefully, uh, corporately, and hopefully, personally as well. The mission statement to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance is a statement meant to encourage believers in this church to live a life of Christian holiness that would make us earthly relevant, that will create or as a, that will create a result or a consequence of a heavenly effective eternity. What does that mean? Well, we're going to talk about that. 
I believe the goal for me, and I, I would believe the goal for every believer in this church would be Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. It says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen? Wouldn't you say that that would be your goal? Wasn't that something you want to make sure Jesus says to you? Well done, Calvin. Well done, Andre. Well done, Mike. Well done, Riley. Well done, Drew. Well done, guys. Well done. Well done, Bonnie. Well done. You've, you've done a good job. You've lived a, a good life. And Jackie, too. Well done, Jackie. And all of you, for that matter. Put your name in the blank. But like we've said so many times in this church already, that the only way you're going to hear that is if you're good and faithful. <laughs> you're not going to hear it if you're not good and faithful. So let's just go back to the very most fundamental element. If you want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful, then be good and faithful. And then you'll hear him say that. We're going to break each one of these words down. Let's talk about heavenly. Heavenly effective. Let's talk about heavenly. Heaven, heaven is the main point of this mission statement. Heaven is the main point. Because, see, we're identifying our desired destination and working backwards to make sure that we get there. We have to put someplace out there as our goal. We used to have a target up in the corner of our sanctuary, and we took it down for a wedding and I never put it back up, but I probably should put it back up because it's a good reminder every time we walk in here that our eyes should be looking upwards. We should always be looking heavenward, making sure that that is our final destination. And it's important that we have to recognize the long-term impact that heaven has for us if we're going to get there. We almost understand that certainly we're going to physically die None of us will live forever in our physical body, but yet our spiritual soul will live forever. So when we talk about heaven, we also must talk about hell. We can't talk about one without the other. Because which one is our, which one is our default destination? Is heaven our default destination or is hell our default destination? I think we all know the answer, but I don't think we like to say it. I don't think we like to realize that hell is really our default destination. If I don't do anything to correct that direction, if I don't do anything to modify that destination, if I just go through life thinking it's good enough to be a good person and I'm going to be in heaven, we are all going to be very disappointed at the end of the day because heaven requires some action. It requires something to change in our life if we're going to make our default destination different. Hell is not a hard place to go to. Heaven is not a hard place to go to. We just have to make a choice as to which one we're going to go to. And if we don't make that conscious choice to choose between heaven and hell, then we're bound for an eternity in hell. Let's just say it what it is. That's just, that's just the way it is. That's what the Bible says. John 3.36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. We're not making this up. It's not my idea. It's not a denominational idea. It's the Bible. It's what the Bible says. See, God created mankind to have fellowship with him, 
and for man to worship him eternally. God was not into short-term planning. He wanted a long-term relationship with us, and he doesn't do anything that doesn't have a long-term benefit. He's not into short-term satisfaction. In fact, he's so much into long-term satisfaction that sometimes he'll allow us to go through some short-term discomfort in order to keep us on a long-term goal. Sometimes we have to go through some struggles that we don't understand. Sometimes we have health issues, or we have financial issues, or we have marital issues, or we have job issues, or we have lots of things in life that may come against us that, in our opinion, doesn't look like God is a good God. But understand, God's eternally goal, His goals are eternal, and therefore He understands what He has to do temporarily to make sure that we stay eternally minded. That's some lessons in there. But God created us to be eternal. And so I say all that so that we can come to a choice in the matter in that what is your destination? Where do you want your destination to be? Heaven or hell? I'm convinced the more and more I see medical breakthroughs and technology and the more and more I see the generation we live in, that there are more people concerned with how long we're going to live more than where we're going after life is over. We see so much emphasis on, on extending life, cancer treatments, and, and breakthroughs in technology. And, and those are all good, by the way. I'm not against that. But I think the focus needs to be careful that we're not on the short-term goal of how long can I live, more importantly, into where am I going? Because when I think about the end goal of how long I'm living, that is a dead-end street. Because as soon as I get to the end of my life, and if that was my goal, how long can I live? And as soon as I die, I've accomplished it. It's over. And where I go is a never-ending street. Where I'm going is more important than how long I live. Listen, hear me on that. It's so important that we understand that because that will help us when it comes to understanding God's healing. Because sometimes we get mis we, we have misunderstandings about God's healing. And you know the devil's into, he's all about misunderstandings. The devil's all about bringing confusion. And we pray about a healing and God doesn't heal for a particular reason. And we get mad at God. We get upset with God. But we have to understand that God's long-term purpose of healing is not just for how long I live, but where am I living thereafter? And so he's all about healing to the uttermost, which is healing my spiritual man. Healing my spiritual man more than my physical man. Not that he's not important. Not that he's not concerned about my physical man. He is. But it's where we're going is much more important than how long we live here on earth. God made mankind with a free will of our choices. And it's so important that we recognize that as much as as much as we have the choice, God has given up the power to stop our choice. How much power he has given us in our choices. And how much it grieves him to see us when we make poor choices. I'm sure that he would love to come down and reverse some of the choices that I've made in my life. But he can't and he won't. I have to deal with the consequences of those choices, right? And so will you and so will I, or we all will. 
But God gives up so much when he gives us that, and he gives us that freedom that we can make in making the choices. So the Bible is, cle- the Bible is clear about what we should do. So heaven, what about heaven? What should we think about heaven? What are we supposed to think about when we think about heaven? Well, I think of a number, thing, a number of things. We're to make sure that we plan for heaven now and put into action the things that have to be done now while we have the time and while we have today. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 says, says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. How easily we can be deceived, can't we? And when I can think about, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll take care of it tomorrow, that old sin of uh, procrastination comes in, and if I don't learn to do things while I have today, I may never get to tomorrow. So it's important that we live for the moment with the eternal goal in mind of, of heaven. So what do we do about heaven? Well, we should think about heaven continually. Heaven should constantly be on our mind. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. How more direct can it be? Set your mind on things above. We are to think about heaven continually. We're never, ever to let heaven escape our mind. Everything we do should be filtered through the heavenly lens. Is this going to be eternal or is this going to be temporary? Am I doing things that are wasting time here with temporary measures? Or am I what I'm putting my hand to or my heart to, my my passions to? Are they eternal? Is it going to be impactful in heaven or not? We need to be thinking that way with an eternal mindset. Another thing we do is we work for heaven. We work for heaven. Hear me. We work for heaven. Salvation is free. We cannot work for our salvation. It's a free gift of God. But yet, once we're saved, then we work for heaven. Colossians chapter 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. We work for it. We recognize that God ordained our path here on earth to work, to put our hand to something and to work hard for it. And that we are to be faithfully and honestly working as, we're, as if we're working directly for God because indeed we really are. Now, there's nothing wrong with working for a reward. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think we do it all every day. When you go to work, what are you working for? How many here this morning, tomorrow morning, would get up and go to work if you weren't assured a paycheck at the end of the, day, at the, end of the week? What are you working for? You're working for a reward. You're working for a paycheck. You're working for money. You're working for recognition. See, if we wouldn't go to work and work for free, why is it difficult for us to think then that we can work for heavenly rewards? Why do we think that it's okay to work for earthly rewards, but not okay to work for eternal rewards? 
Everything I gain through my paycheck will burn up someday unless I invest it in the kingdom. And then what I invest in the kingdom will go on and be last forever. Everything I invest here for myself will burn up. Everything I work for eternally will last forever. So we're to work for heavenly rewards. And don't feel bad about that. Don't, tell the, don't let the devil tell you that you're greedy and it's wrong to work for heavenly rewards because it's no different than working for your paycheck on earth. In fact, this is even more important because as you work for heavenly rewards, understand for it to be a heavenly reward, it's going to benefit other people first here on earth. <laughs> That's why we have to think this thing through a little bit. Because if I'm going to have heavenly effective rewards, then my relevance on earth has to be significant for other people, not just for me. Third thing we need to do is we need to get excited about heaven. And we need to, play, we need to lay up our treasures in heaven and not on earth. Rip talked a little, a little a bit about this in Sunday school this morning, which he's doing a great job speaking about prayer. Man, you need to come to Sunday school you want to get fired up about prayer, come in and listen to Rip teach about prayer. It's awesome. He's doing a great job. And it's exciting and it's good. You know, we're, we're blessed to have Rip here, man. You know, Rip's a pastor, and Rip gets into preaching when he's teaching. Do you know that? And it's awesome and it's exciting. He does a great job. Anyway, Matthew chapter 6, we're to get excited about heaven. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your excitement is as well. It says there your heart is. Your heart is your excitement center. It is. What you are excited about is where your heart is. So you're to be excited about heaven. You're to make your treasures to be laid up in heaven as exciting as you possibly can because that's the thing that's going to last. See, Jesus is not saying that we're, our, that, that we're to store up our treasured valuables here on earth because this is a temporary storage facility. Everything I gain on earth, this is a temporary storage facility. It's not going to last, but when I put my treasures in heaven, that is an, an eternal facility, and it will hold our treasure there. Not only will it hold it, but we will gain interest on it, and it will gain more and more and more as we invest in heaven. It makes, it makes great sense. It makes great sense that we would to store up heaven. Yeah, and the thing is that, that, that goes unseen most of the time is that our treasure and our heart go hand in hand. Where your treasure is, there's your heart. Jesus wants and desires our hearts more than anything else. He wants our heart. He wants our love. He doesn't want my possessions. He doesn't need my possessions. But he wants my heart. Amen? So we're not to be storing up our valuables here on earth. We're to be storing up our, our valuables. We're to be storing up our excitement, our treasures in heaven where Jesus is at. Okay, so that's heaven, heavenly. Heavenly effective. What does effective mean? Effective means producing a decided, decisive, or desired effect or result. An effective person is concerned about consequences because effectiveness is talking about what happens after I do something. Being effective means that we understand one's role and we do it, whatever it is, to the best we can. 
Being effective is important to people. Who here wants to be ineffective? Who here wants to be considered uh, expendable? That you're not important to your employer? Anybody want to raise your hand and say, I don't care if my boss thinks I'm important? No, we all want to be effective. We all, and that's a good thing. We all want, naturally, we want to be effective. We want to be wanted. We want to be needed. We need to be wanted and needed. It's, it's important for us. See, God is the epitome of being effective. God is the epitome of, of effectiveness. There is nothing that can stand up or compete with God's effectiveness. And, and he's so perfect in all of it. But yet, what I get so amazed at is in God's effectiveness, he chooses to use me even if I'm not so effective. God's plan on earth is to use people. He could just do it all with a spoken word, couldn't he? I mean, if he created the world with a spoken word, could he not just do everything with a spoken word? But that's not his plan. His plan is to use people in our effectiveness and even in our ineffectiveness at times. So our goal then is that we should be as effective as God is. He uses people. We are his hands and we are his feet. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, we are to work in the Lord, but here's the most important thing is, and this is, I can see God's frustration a little bit. I can see how God would get frustrated a little bit because, again, as I'm pastoring now for five, six years, whatever it is, I'm realizing that pastoring is dealing with a volunteer workforce. Yeah, it is. Uh, It's only as good as the people that volunteer, and if they don't volunteer, what can you do? You can't cut their pay. You can't take their sick days away from them. You can't do anything. And that's exactly what we are in the kingdom of heaven. We are a volunteer workforce for God. Because God will not, cannot come in and force me to do anything. So when he says, Mike, I want to use you, I have the choice to say, yeah, God, I think that's cool. I'll be used. Or I can reject it and say, no, God, I'm too busy. I got my things I want to do. And he's going to say, okay. Okay, Uh, I guess I'll find somebody else. And who really loses there? Yeah. You know, Rip, and and you were talking this morning in the the Sunday school about uh, intercession prayer, intercession, talking about Isaiah, where God said, I couldn't find anybody to intervene. So the Lord said, okay, I'm going to be my own strength. All right, so what happened to those people? The, The question is, what happened to the people that didn't intervene? Were they benefited by God's strength or were they left out behind? Scary thought, isn't it? See, but if if we don't do what God's asking us to do, does that mean he's going to come and do it for us and we're still going to be benefiting from it? Or is he going to go go around us and go by us and go to the person that is going to be effective and leaving us wanting? I I believe we'll be left wanting. I believe if you go back and look at the history of, of Israel, they were left wanting many times because they didn't fulfill the promises that they made to God. So God says, okay, I'm going to go around you. And that particular group of people at that time suffered the consequences. I think that if we don't carefully 
measure out the work that God gives us and that we become effective in the work that he gives us, that he will find another way to get it done because he's God. But me as a person will lose because I'm not part of the team. So this morning, I think we all need to be part of the team. Do you want to win? Then get, part on the, then get on the winning team and get on the winning side and work and be effective for the kingdom. Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. So to be heavenly effective means to do things now while we have the chance and the time to do things that will produce a desired result now and forevermore. The beautiful thing about God is that he never forgets about the moment, but he's always planning for the future. So if I'm heavenly effective, if I'm doing the things that God has put my hand to for an eternal reward, you've got to know that God's going to take care of my, term, my temporary too. He's not going to leave me wanting in my temporary needs because I'm focused on the eternal. You said it. If I'm going to pray for God's family, he's going to take care of my family. See, listen, I, I, I listened to your class, Rip, don't I? I've, I've listened. Yeah, it's good. If, I'm gonna, if, if I want to take care of my family, I'm going to pray for God's family first because then he'll take care of my family. Amen. God's concerned about our temporariness as much as he's concerned about our eternalness. And then he's not going to leave us wanting. He will complete the work. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God will complete it. He's a God of completion. He will complete whatever he starts. So what does earthly relevance mean? What does earthly relevance mean? Well, let's define earthly. Earthly is associating with the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. Earthly relevance means that I'm associating with the people that God puts in my path every day. That I'm going to be relevant to them that I'm not going to overlook them, that I'm not going to think that God's got something else for me to do. No, God put that person in my path today, so I'm going to be relevant to that person or that situation. We're giving a responsibility to love our neighbors. Do you know that? Well, who is your neighbor? You know, there was a man one time that asked Jesus the question, well, who is my neighbor? And this is the answer that Jesus gave. Let's read it. Luke chapter 10 29 through 37. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, when he took two, the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Who's your neighbor? Everyone, yeah. 
From the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see Jesus' perspective that people are to take care of people, regardless of your relationship with them, regardless of whose job it is. You come across a hurting person, you're the man. You're the woman. You help them. It's not, oh, let me talk to my pastor, or let me talk to my benevolence needs and see what we have. No, you do what you can to help them. That is being earthly relevant to people that you come into contact with. We don't have the excuse that it's not my job. I don't think God is going to look you, I don't think he's going to look over that fact when, he, when you sit down before God someday and he's going to say, what did you do for so-and-so? What, what did you do when that person came to you with a need? What did you do with them? I don't think God's going to say, yeah, you, you give them the right answer by saying it was somebody else's job. <laughs> I, I don't think that excuse is going to fly in the kingdom of heaven. So I think it's important that we uh, do what we have opportunity to do, why we have the opportunity to do it. So what does relevance mean? We talk about earthly. Earthly means neighbors. What does relevance mean? Relevance is, is defined as something important to the matter at hand. Or said another way, to be practical and socially applicable. What is relevance? To be practically and socially applicable. applicable. So to have earthly relevance would mean that a person, as a person, I am responsible to be practical and, and applicable to the important matters of my neighbors. That what's important to them should be important to me. If I'm going to be relevant to them, then I need to be concerned about what's going on in their life. To be heavenly effective through earthly relevance means that if we are expecting to hear Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then we must be good and faithful to those around us in the world that we're touching every day. I can't make this a big grandiose statement and not make it practical. I have to come down to the reality of what happens. How do I do? How do, how do I be good and faithful? Well, I'm good and faithful because I'm doing good and I'm being faithful to the people that I'm in touch with, that I'm irrelevant with. See, if we really realize that what we do is going to last forever, if I can get that concept in my mind, if I can really think about that, then these kind of things become easier for me to do. When I can really think that, wow, I am going to live forever. And, and my consequences are going to be with me forever. Then the little bit of discomfort that it might make for me to go out and give something to somebody else it might even restrict me a little bit from my freedoms for a temporary measure, knowing that eternally I will have benefits forever. It just makes life easier that way. C.S. Lewis, he's a great author, and many of you have read him, observes that to be effective in the world in which one lives, one must first be heavenly-minded. In other words, what he's saying here is that, that, if, that once we decide where we want to end up, once we make that decision of where we're going to go, then we need to make a plan to get there. All right? He says, C.S. Lewis says this, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Then he says, aim at heaven 
and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. Great words of encouragement. Great words of knowledge. You know, the old saying goes something like this, and I think we've all heard it. One can be, so, one can be too heavenly or so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly value. Well, let me just tell you, that's a misnomer. That is not true. First of all, if a person is so heavenly minded, they really understand what heaven is about, they will be the most effective people on earth. They will be the ones most productive in the kingdom because they know that what they're doing results in eternal rewards. It's just the man that looks up at heaven and waits for heaven to get here, that goes up on a mountaintop and waits for the rapture that does nothing. You know what? He probably won't be in the rapture. He probably won't make it to heaven because he's not about his father's work now in the kingdom, doing what he needs to do to carry out the great commission, and that is to evangelize and to make disciples of the world. That is what we are to be doing today. Paul instructed Timothy in a really good fashion. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 16, 17 through 19, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is a great summary of what it means to be earthly relevant. He said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Command, listen, command is not a suggestion. He's not saying, oh, just suggest that it might be a good idea, or maybe you should consider, or I think Jesus would be proud of you. No, what he's saying is commanding them to do good. What is good? What is good? Being practical and applicable to the important matters of hand at hand. Basically, to be good is to be relevant. It's the exact same definition. To be relevant is to be good. To do the good things is to do the relevant things, the things that will, that will benefit that person temporarily. And then most importantly, it will, be you, it will make you relevant to them when it comes time for you to share the gospel. Because they will see the gospel, first of all, living out in your life, and then all of a sudden your words have credence because you've earned their respect. See, that goes hand in hand here, doesn't it? We can't not do good and then go to them and evangelize with them because they're going to say, I, I, I can't even have food to eat. What are you talking about? I don't even have any warm clothes to wear. And you have clothes to give me and you're not giving me the clothes and you want to talk to me about heaven? You know, so we do have some things that we have to do to be relevant on earth if we're going to have the ability to share the gospel with them. We're to be generous and willing to share. We're to be rich in good deeds. What does it mean to be rich? It means to give your best, not what's left over. To be rich in good deeds means that I give what, what costs me something. If it doesn't cost me something, then I'm giving them junk. Then I'm giving them stuff that I just didn't want to deal with at the garbage dump, so I'm giving it to you for you to deal with it. No, when I'm rich in good deeds, what that means is I'm giving them something that's valuable to me that will be more valuable to them because they need it more than I need it. So all of a sudden now, in my relevance on earth, 
I'm not only thinking about heaven, but I'm helping mankind around me, and I'm making myself valuable to them because I'm meeting their need, and also I'm earning their respect so that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ meets both needs. It meets the temporary and it meets the eternal. And I can't really have one without the other there. Jackie, you can come and we'll start closing up here. We're going to have communion in a little bit. But as we finish this up, I guess that we're to give with a joyful heart and that as we give, we are anticipating our heavenly effectiveness, our heavenly rewards. Dr. Dr. David Jeremiah said this in his book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. He says this, that until Jesus comes back again to rapture us all away or until our own individual lives are over, we as believers are to be busy in the interim period doing kingdom business. Our hands should be busy with the earth while our hearts are occupied with heaven. Yeah, I love that. We're to be busy with our hands thinking about heaven. We're to be busy with doing things for people, thinking about heaven. Not thinking about what, how they're going to pay me back. Not thinking about the return that I'm going to get from that person. No, I do things regardless of the return that person's going to do for me. I'm doing so because I'm working for the kingdom of heaven and I'm working for the provider of all things, Jesus Christ, and he will give better rewards than what this person could give me anyways because if what they give me was temporary, it would burn up. So I'm much better off to work with an eternal mindset and not worry about what comes back to me temporarily. Can you do it? Can we give that way? Can we work that way? Yeah. Yeah. Without, without any strings attached, can we work for people? Can we live for people? You see, guys, we make this our mission statement to be heavenly effective to earthly relevance as the, as the mission statement for our church, but understand that that's not effective until the church does it. <laughs> until you and I take that and make it our personal mission statements. Now, I, I hope you have your own personal mission statement, and I hope it lines up with that. I hope somewhere along the life, long time you have evaluated what are you, what's your purpose here on earth and what's your, what's your reason for living. And I would hope that they would line up because as this church, through its people, continues to do Tabitha's Closet, continues to do Play Cafe, as we learn how to do evangelism and as we continue to do evangelism and as we reach out to those in this community that are hurting we are becoming relevant to them so that we can become eternally effective for them and with them. Yeah. See, we are rapidly spinning, guys. The end of the day is quickly coming. Whether you want to realize it or not, the end of the time is quickly coming. And can I say this? That you have no, you have no guarantee about your next day tomorrow anyways. <laughs> so I, I'm not, I don't want to just focus on the rapture. I don't want to focus on the Middle East. I don't want to focus on the end times, even though I believe those are real and I believe those are coming rapidly. But I want to focus on all of us, that all of us are living in our end days. All of us may be taking our last breath. We don't know that. So we should be living with an urgency, huh? We should be living with an urgency to be do- about the Father's business. 
laying up rewards in heaven while we have opportunity, while I have health and strength, because I don't know what tomorrow holds. So in effect, I am living in my last days. So this morning, as we close up this service, I, I just want to bring a challenge. The call to action for all of us today is, are we living in the mission of being heavenly effective through earthly relevance? Are we living in it? Would you close your eyes with me? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, how your word is always consistent and always brings a theme of message of eternity. But yet, God, how concerned you are of our daily choices in the same time. Because you know that our choices will determine our eternity. So God, I pray right now as we are just quietly thinking of our own life right now, that we are challenging ourselves with this mission statement. Can I truly believe and lay up my treasures in heaven? Can I really do that? And for me to do that, what do I have to do today? What do I do tomorrow on the job? Lord, I pray that you would just bring this fresh to our hearts at all times, that we would keep heaven continually on our mind, that we would put that lens constantly in everything that we do and everything that we say, that we're constantly thinking about how is this going to impact my future? How is this going to impact where I'm going? And that I would become effective in that and that I would be relevant to the people around me at the same time. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's be faithful here to give him a thanks, okay? Let's sing this song that Jackie's playing and let's really worship the Lord as we sing this song and and as we prepare to go to our our homes today that we just really thank the Lord for his goodness and then really thank him for what he's telling us, asking us to do. Amen. Let's sing it. Forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you It's my joy.
Father, as we go to our homes now, I pray, Lord, that this message and this vision and this mission statement would settle into our hearts. And, Lord, that this would not be forgotten a forgotten message. It's not about what I said, but, Lord, it's about what you are saying through this message, Lord, that we would gain the, the mission that you have for our lives, that we would really see it and apply it, and that tomorrow through Saturday and the rest of our lives we would begin and continue to walk out this mission statement in our lives to be, to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go to your homes today.